0: Well, I think along the way we figure out who we are, and we can have these dreams laid on our heart, and they evolve. And over time, even me as a host has evolved. Now, where even when I started my show, I stayed away from a few things that were very um, delicate, and now I, I kind of, I'm, a, I'm okay to confront some of these deeper issues because I feel like I've grown up, and I owe it to my viewers to be able to do that.
1: Okay, hi everybody and welcome to the Undo Anxiety Podcast. I'm Dr. John Duffy. I am your host for these proceedings as usual. Um, Thank you again, uh, as always, for protecting some time for myself and my guests. Today I have the privilege of talking with somebody who I have so much respect for. Um, Whitney Reynolds is joining me today. Whitney is an award-winning, Emmy-nominated host and executive producer of The Whitney Reynolds Show on PBS. This is a great show dedicated to real issues, motivational stories, and provoking positive change. Whitney is a uh, host on iHeartRadio. She is a wife and a mom of twin one-year-olds, and I just learned that Whitney is also a new author. Whitney Reynolds, welcome.
0: (laughs) Hello. Wow. (laughs) I feel like um, that was... That sounds like my whole life summed up in
1: three. Minutes. <laughs>
0: Such a riot, yeah. Well, that's a but cho- all those things are
1: very true. Yeah, and that's <laughs> a busy life, Whitney. I mean, uh, how? First of all, how do you do it all? Like, there's so there's so much to all of this, and the book is new to me. So, you and I were just talking yeah. a moment ago, and I can't believe, in the midst of all this, you put a book together. Um, where do you get the juice for all of this activity? <laughs>
0: You know, it's interesting because I always knew I was going to be a talk show host, like from the time I was a little wee one. But what I've realized as I've stepped into adult life and even even motherhood is that all these experiences have led me to where I am. So would I ever have imagined being an author at um, five years old when I was envisioning the talk show? No. Would I have envisioned having a talk show that's dedicated to provoking positive change? No. However, it's been this whole encompassing life twist and turns. You know, I went through a traumatic childhood experience that really led me to being focused on telling stories right. So that helped shape my career. And then when I actually had the platform uh, formed for the talk show, I knew that I had to step into that mission. So yeah, the dream was always there, but the evolving way I got to where we are. And now this book is just an extension of Provoking Positive Change. It's a 52-week guide of inspiration from our show. So it's really amazing um, looking back on this journey and how I did get here.
1: (laughs) Oh, man, it's got to be. What blows me away about your story, first and foremost, is the fact that you kind of were able to telegraph where you were headed when you were a child, like a little <laughs> kid. How did you know at five, this is, this is my mission here, I'm going to be a talk show host?
0: What it is the most... Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, it's like the most bizarre question because most of my girlfriends were dressing up as like Disney princesses or pretending they're going to be a hairstylist when they grow up and do or a teacher or mommy, you know, they're playing with their dolls. And I was making um, little uh, what what are they? Um toilet paper roll rings with a tennis ball on top, pretending that was my microphone. And here I am, you know, just going back and forth, interviewing people, making my friends throw on their Halloween costumes to interview them in my living room. So as a five-year-old, I had this vision, which I say was a really great vision because it led me to where I was going. However, it was a lot of pressure. And to be a five-year-old that knew what they wanted... It was a lot like even in high school I, I anchored the newscast for my high school, but I always put this like I need to get to the next step, I need to get to the next step and um, I think there with with vision comes some pressure sometimes
1: oh for sure, so when I think about when I listen to that and I picture this little girl with her makeshift mic um, yeah. I think it's a real story oh, I believe that I believe that and know you a little bit I am certain that's a real story um how you um how did you know like that you wanted a voice that you knew you had something important to say?
0: Yeah, that's that's a very interesting question because back in the day when I actually formed the stream, talk shows aren't what they are now. The Oprah transformation from trash to class hadn't taken part yet. So what I was seeing were like the Jenny, Jenny. You know, it was this
1: Oh right kind
0: of yeah, it was more of a um, big show type thing. It wasn't these issues. And what was really cool is that as my as my family situation evolved, as I grew up, it and the Oprah era happened. I saw that she brought to life stories of rape victims or um, telling the person that survived a very traumatic accident, telling their story. And I thought, oh my goodness, now this is the good stuff. And so that's whenever I really knew. and that was you know in my teen years that I thought, okay, this is how I'll pull it out is th- these are the stories I want to tell. So but you know when you're a teenager and you graduate college and you go after trying to get into TV, you have to do what you have to do. And I was a morning anchor for a little bit. I started as an Internet Good Morning America. Did I want to end there? No. And I knew if God ever gave me the platform that I now have, I would make the most of it. And so that's what we've done.
1: Yeah, and and you absolutely have and, and um and your energy is um it's addictive. It, you know, it's so fun to talk with you with you and listen to you because you've got so much um, juice and tenacity. Like I think about like, you know, having this vision and I think a lot of people were, um, inspired by Oprah and, um, and we're planning like one day I want to, I want to sit in that chair and I want to, I want to tell those stories, but mm-hmm. so few people actually get there. You've been tenacious as far as I can tell every step of the way. I, uh, I will share with you that I, I looked at a video you posted online of a, um, a kind of a, a sizzler reel that you made while a student at Baylor, right?
0: Oh, yeah. that I, And how someone hired me from that, I have no idea. I'm, like My favorite is when I'm like... Hey y'all! Welcome to Waco, Texas, because that's where I felt it. I literally had to have something that I I said hire me with, and how I got the job, I don't know. And that boss, I told him I I wrote him this week because he saw the video, and I said, you know, you're one of my TV angels, and I've had a few of those, but giving me that first real job, <laughs> oof, I'm still shocked to this day.
1: <laughs> that's great, and and you've and you've shifted that too. Like your uh, your uh, cadence is a little different now than it was then. Uh-huh.
0: Yes, it was. Well, I think along the way, we figure out who we are and we can have these dreams laid on our heart and they evolve. And over time, even me as a host has evolved now where even when I started my show, I stayed away from a few things that were very um, delicate. And now I, I kind of, I'm, a, I'm okay to confront some of these deeper issues because I feel like I've grown up and I owe it to my viewers to be able to do that. I also am very firm with who I am now, where the 23 year old that started the show was maybe a little bit more uncomfortable in her skin. You know, being a 23 year old and owning a talk show in Chicago, it's really weird. And so,
1: <laughs> oh, I just want you know, now to pause on that for a second, you were 23 years old when you started your TV show. That is, that's amazing. Really, you
0: know, it was it was the recession. It was um, a job loss. It was a move that made the perfect storm. And for some reason, people watched and people watched me on social media. And that's where my talk show started. It was a YouTube channel that I would share on my Facebook, and then it led to this bigger um, thing.
1: Was it? Was there a moment where you realized? Oh, this is going to work out. This is good. this is catching fire. And this is going to, you know, I either a guest that you had or you know a number of viewers that you knew you had. How did you know at some point, like, oh yeah, this this is my vocation? This is gonna happen?
0: Well, I always knew it was going to happen. And and that's what any boss that would say, always knew, like even for my first morning anchor job when I was 21 and I, um, I forgot my name on air the first day, you know, I went and cried in the bathroom for like five minutes, but then I literally jumped off the sink where I was crying and I thought, okay, tomorrow's a new day. I'm learning to talk on TV for two hours a day. I'm going to remember my name tomorrow. I can't forget Whitney. Come on. Like I just (laughs) had one of those moments. And so, um, with that, I always knew, but it was like taking the right steps to get there. So where I found myself, most discouraged was moving to Chicago at 23. Um, It was really cold here. I thought I was going to have a job here. It didn't work out. The recession hit and I had to get a job. And at that time, it was one of those weird concepts of having a TV show. Like I always knew I was gonna be a talk show host, but I always thought it might happen by someone seeing me on TV. So here I am in Chicago and the rubber meets the road. And so my thought was, instead of creating another type sizzle reel saying the job I want, just own the fact I have a show already. So I created a show and I ended up getting hired for another anchor job. But in that contract, for some reason, I had them write that if the Whitney Reynolds show picks up, <laughs> I would do that. And by the time I was two months into that job, it had picked up. And believe it or not, it was getting picked up in Chicago by NBC nonstop. And so it was a really crazy, fast transition to getting there. Once I, once I got that TV job as a weekend anchor again, it, it my show had picked up momentum and people thought I might've been crazy. I know my parents said, they were like healthcare, you know, like oh, <laughs> this job has all of that. But I knew I had to stay persistent to my vision. And it was really lucky when I, um, when my show did get picked up, it was really scary because I had to own it. So here I am 23 years old owning a TV show. And how do you do that? You just kind of figure it out. And so that's what I did.
1: Whitney, you are, in my profession, we use the word manifest a lot. You know, like you manif- create a vision, manifest that vision, live as if it's already taking place. Rarely do I come across somebody who actually does that. Like you've said twice now, I always knew it would happen. Like as if, it's very matter of fact, it's rare for somebody to have a TV show. It's a, it's a, a very unique thing. Um, is there something about uh, your family, the way you were brought up, or just your constitution that suggests like, yeah, I've got that kind of, um, grit, tenacity and assurance, self-assurance that I knew this was going to happen. How'd you you manage that?
0: That is a really great question. This, this is the one thing in life that I always just knew. And I, from the time I, I I mean, like I said, it was kind of a curse though, too, because to be a five, six and seven year old and know what you want to do then when you get into middle school, I felt like I was behind, which most middle school people do not feel like they should be already on TV. They should be enjoying. And don't get me wrong. I enjoyed I, you know, in college, I still did the sorority thing. So I enjoyed it. But I always had this like, lurking pressure of how are you getting there with how are you taking steps. And so when I was even in high school, and I was doing this marketing trip, when I went to New York, I made signs that said, I am going to be the next Diane Sawyer, or I am going to be the next Katie Kirk. And I happened to meet some people at Good Morning America on that trip that I kept up with all through high school. He, the guy that I kept up with had gone to Baylor and gone through their program for journalism. He kind of guided me. And so when I got to that step, that's why Good Morning America worked out for me. It was because of that 14 or 15-year-old Whitney that was holding up those signs, got invited in, kept up. And um, and so that's where I say, it, like, some people in high school, you know, they're worried about making A team on the basketball. I was right. like, how do I um, get into this anchor seat? And so it was kind of, it was a good thing, but it was always one of those, how do I get there, even in high school?
1: You know, I, I, um, I work with a lot of young people, and they often, I coax... Their dream out of them, but people are reticent. They're reluctant to say, "This is what I really want," because it's too big or it's ridiculous. You're going to laugh at me. It's embarrassing. Um, you. It sounds like you never had that moment. Like you were, you were overt. You were telling everybody, "This is what I'm going to well, do." It-
0: Yeah, and that's actually the funny thing is because of social media now, I'm able to um, see some of those people that actually laughed at me and said, keep dreaming. And I've been able to thank them and not a sarcastic or mean way, but thank you for telling me to keep dreaming because I did. yeah. And that's, you know, I'm going back to speak at my middle school in April. I'm doing a little tour. I'm going to Baylor to speak and then I'm going to my middle school. And it's going to be one of those moments because that was some of the foundation that I was laying in those early years that, um, you know, it was weird to be, and I always joke a country bumpkin. And the reason I can say that is because I lived there and I was one (laughs) and I had a very um, thick accent that you can look at some of my early videos. But with that, I... You know, being in Oklahoma, small town, we're lucky to have cable out there because it was like, I was from a very small town, which, um, and so it was really funny for people to hear and really like, Oh, bless your heart kind of thing. You know, you'll maybe get there, but you know, it was, it, that's kind of what gave me the, um, the wind. And then also coming from that type of small town, when I did start picking up momentum, those people have been the ones that have had my back to the fullest experience.
1: That's interesting. And I think it's so great that you're going back to Baylor in your middle school to talk. Those kids are going to be yeah. so inspired by your success story. Um, well,
0: and yeah, it was it was in those, it was like in middle school. So, I, you know, something that I'm not fully um, comfortable talking about is a big incident that happened with my family. But like I said, that led me to telling these delicate stories and making sure I do it right. But I'll never forget being in middle school and having this dream of being a talk show host. And I thought because of what happened to us and my family and my story that I might not be able to do my dream because I was embarrassed of what happened. And what's really cool is now that's kind of the fuel behind why I do what I do. So it's really neat to tell people no matter what comes your way, no matter what you might be going through or what your family could be going through, that could be transforming your mission and you have no idea. So that's what's gonna be the most remarkable thing about going back to that middle school is I remember at that time, I kind of had some doubts if maybe my um, family's past would get in my way and it it didn't. In fact, it fueled a lot of the vision.
1: Yeah, it's kind of quite the contrary, right? Because it's not, I do think that in real time, so many of us, don't realize that like our darkest hour might be the very thing we need the energy we need to propel us into what what our future is you know and it sounds like that's very yeah. much your story i know that's not a story you're ready to tell yet but but um mm. there there's something really potent about having gone through something right
0: yes well and it's it's crazy because for so long i was told to guard that and i needed that at the time what was what was crazy is i needed to live through those steps. And like I said, something in the last, and then maybe it's becoming a mom and having a lot of teaching moments in my house, but something in the last two years has stirred up inside of me that no, like we can, we can all do this and take our personal experiences and help them grow on us. But it wasn't something that happened overnight for me. And being 31, I would say it was in the last two years that that's even stirred up, even though all along it was helping fuel that I'm just now getting to the point where i I'm able to say, okay, guys, here I am. Here's my authentic self, and this is how I got into this.
1: So so you suggest maybe that like motherhood, so that, that the big change in the last two years of your life yeah. is certainly having your twins, right?
0: Goodness gracious. Yeah, they um they and I've always heard mom say that, and I kind of rolled my eyes, like they become my everything. And I was like, Of course they do, you're they're your kids. But no, they really Become your everything. When I think about why I want to change the world with my show, I see those two little crooked teeth smiles <laughs> that are just, you know, 17 months trying to figure out the world themselves, and that is why I found, um, you know, like okay, this this is bigger than me. You know, this is kind of something that goes beyond, you know, what we're even doing here in Chicago. And part of that is Marlo and Atcher. They have given me so much to. Um, to think about why I want to change things.
1: And they are so adorable. It's so fun to watch like their, your posts about them. Um, really, really so cute. And I can see where they own you. I, absolutely. Absolutely. Well-
0: it's so funny because this week is the week that they found two heartbeats a year or two years ago. And so I went in for my first ultrasound nervous as could be. I even dressed up for it. I like put, I did, wore like big earrings. I'm like, just in case they can see me back or it can, the one can see me back on the ultrasound machine. I want to be ready. And then, no, I'm glamorously excited to meet them. And I'll never forget that day because I'd already been talking to to God about, okay, whenever I meet my little one that you've given me and all this stuff. And they've said, Oh, hang on. There's heartbeat number two, and that's when you realize, okay, I can plan all I want, but then life happens too. And so, but it's been the best surprise of my life.
1: That is a beautiful story. You dressed up to meet your child, <laughs> and thinking, well, maybe from the south, John. But I yes. love it. I love it, Whitney. And uh, yeah, that's so great. And just because you were going to meet them. And maybe they'll see oh, yeah. me as well. And
0: it was, like I'll never forget, my husband goes, you know, they can't smell your perfume through the, everyone in that lobby, that tiny lobby can, and we're all dying here. <laughs> all the pregnant moms that senses are so strong are probably like, who's the woman that kicked it on today?
1: You, um, that That's so great. And I can see where they're inspiring you maybe to tell even broader stories or, or more yes. poignant stories. It strikes me listening to you. You're really funny. You're really engaging. Um, I can imagine at some point, you know, along the way, uh, you consider, like, what kind of talk show do I want to have? You know, like, do I want to be kind of like Jimmy Fallon funny? Or do I want to have, you. you know, or do I want some more Oprah gravitas, you know, and really mm-hmm. earth-changing stories? It sounds like you went with the latter. Did you ever think about anything different than that for yourself?
0: Well, naturally, I... Um, naturally, I have a personality that attracts people so I've always if you ask you know um, some of my friends like they would say I would probably have a fun-loving show. What I've what I've learned about myself is my show is very serious. When I made the switch to PBS, PBS is a channel that is not about the host. It's not about the show. It's making sure that the stories are legit and that we're educating our viewers. And so that was new for me because on NBC, um, I got to be a little bit more. I was doing more of around the town type thing. Right. So when I switched over to PBS, it really became a mission-driven show. It became about provoking positive change where where I'm at now is I think I'm stepping into who I am again I think this happens in life like maybe where you thought you would be you realize that you're taking another turn and as I'm getting more comfortable because now I've been on PBS for five years I am um, I am me and part of the show is me and being able to pull that out of the guests like whenever we're talking that cadence is really important you know like I One of the things because I'm big on teaching, I think part of my job is teaching and I have a lot of interns that work on my set. And part of my job with them that they'll say is like, how do you find how to relate with each person? And what they'll see is when the camera is off, I might be telling a different story than I told the former guest because you have to figure out what it is that makes that guest heart sing to be able to feel comfortable on your set. So I am noticing that I'm getting to be able a little bit more myself as yeah. I step into Does that mean tell stories of my kids on my show? No, because that's not about me. It's not my, it's not a show on Whitney. So it's still on the topics. However, I can be more who I've been called to be. And I'm seeing that kind of come back, which is nice.
1: That's really cool. and. Um that connection that you create with your guests. i've I've witnessed that and um, and experienced it myself. I've been fortunate enough to be there with you. Um, it's uh, it, it really brings the authentic truth to light, doesn't it? I mean, that's that's probably what's unique about your show, I think.
0: yeah. And then what's really cool about the world of social media is that, You know, your fans and your viewers can follow you outside of the show. And I always feel like Instagram story is like my personal reality show because people see the real, like, oh my gosh, wait, was that like, poop on her face because she just changed a diaper and missed it like that's the thing is like it gets very real when you're able to interact with people on social media they get a glimpse of your real life so it's not as polished and I like that too because people do get to see who I really am as a person and then on the radio show um on iHeart it's really fun because I get to totally be myself and I have amazing women that come on that show and so I feel like um. On The Whitney Reynolds Show, it's a little bit more serious. I am stepping into my own. But if you follow me on social, you get the full thing.
1: <laughs> you know, that, that probably does make you so, you're right, that there's, there's something unique about having that Instagram story because it does make yeah. you human and approachable and understandable and relatable in a way that must be great for viewers once they see you in that chair kind of doing this, this interview that sometimes it can be very heavy, right?
0: Well, yeah, and people have these ideas of who a person is, and they really have no idea. Like, oh, her driver must pick her up. The reality is I have two screaming kids trying to get from A to B. I'm, you know, oh, on the TV show, you know, my hair and makeup is done. Is that my life all the time? Oh, no. No, no, no. In fact, I wear the mom bun most days that I'm not on air. And that's what I think is cool is people get that inside look at real life and what it's, you know,
1: really lie. I never really thought about that when, relative to your story, but that, that makes a lot of sense. One, one secret to um, my work that I don't always share with the people I work with is the benefit that I get. You know, like, So I'm working with people who are struggling uh, in one way or another, but somehow their, their courage in telling their stories, their bravery in um, going toward the pain instead of uh, away from it is so inspiring to me and at the end of the hour you know i get that check cut to me it's like it's like a, a win win in a weird way for me because i feel like i'm growing while they're growing do you can you relate to that is that your story as well it's
0: it's it's really interesting because when i'm when they're on my show I step into their shoes. It is the most remarkable thing. I have a grieving mom that lost a kid. I feel like I'm grieving with them. It is the most transformational thing I've ever experienced in my own life, is when I'm telling those stories, I'm in the story with them. I am on that college campus with the rape rape victims. I am that veteran mom holding the flag waiting for her son coming home. I feel like I'm in that story because so much research went into that seven to 20 minute interview, you know, we I know, I know that woman or that man backwards and forwards. I know what they're coming on to tell me. I know the points that we need to pull out and where we need to go for our viewers to feel it. And that's part of like, I feel like it's it's emotional. Like when I get done with my show, sometimes I want to come home and not talk because we lived through so much life on that 30 minutes that it was Wow. But do I wake up feeling blessed to be where I am? Yes, because those stories, even through the tough ones, there's always hope. And that's what we make sure that our viewers feel. And they also know they're not alone because a lot of the things we're going about, is it the sexiest topic to talk about? No, but it's hard and it's real. And people need to know that other people are going through these same things.
1: There's um, Listening to you, there's a a responsibility, isn't there, when you're tackling certain topics. And you tackle some pretty heavy stuff to, to be present and available to those moments and you've got a busy life. Is there, is there a trick for you to being like, okay, I'm going to focus on this moment with this person right here, right now. How do you get in that zone?
0: Well, that's, that's a great question because I actually have a very real example this week. Yesterday when I was going on to the radio show, on the way I found out that a good friend of mine had passed away. Oh, I'm
1: so and sorry.
0: it was one of those, yeah, it was it was a very hard day and I was a little bit in shock. I ended up deciding to go back home, put my car in park and take, you know, a ride to the radio studio because I thought, okay, I'm not necessarily in the mental place to drive, park, all that kind of stuff. So I get to the radio show And I realized that I have to be on in that moment. So am I being, am I being fake? No, but that is my job as a storyteller or as a host to make sure that those minutes count for those guests. So I was able to somehow focus on that story. And then at the end of it, once the radio mic got turned off, I hugged my guests, made sure they were, that their story got told right. I came home and I grieved. I came home and somehow I've learned to be able to, when I'm, when I'm, on this mission of telling other stories, be on. Yeah. But I also realized that I got to take time for me sometimes. And so yesterday afternoon, after everything was said and done, the mic was off. I grieved, and I—it's—it's it's a hard place to be because you do have to be on so much. But it is real to understand the difference between being on and being authentic, and um, and it, especially to yourself. And so that's one thing that I've really had to work on, like also like being a host, people will just expect you to be happy all the time, to be the life of the party all the time. And the reality is being a mom, I'm tired sometimes. And so I feel like I've been able to really um, understand that there is a difference and it's okay to be a host and a mom and tired and a wife and, you know, a a friend. And I'm realizing that there's all these dynamics, but whenever I'm on my show, I take it very serious and I got to make sure those stories are told right.
1: Even, even in the wake of something like grief, um, that, that's got to be postponed exactly. at least for exactly. a mm-hmm.
0: Yep, exactly. And, and the interesting part is even though in that moment I wasn't ready to talk about it or it wouldn't have been appropriate, eventually that grieving moment might come out in another area on my show through another topic where I do relate very easily with a guest that's coming on for a certain topic. And that's what I've been, even though yesterday I was having, um, where there's a women's conference coming into town and it was amazing because it's supporting Latina women. And, um, the grieving didn't match that story, but eventually there might be where I, You know, where that would come out of remembering that, you know, so, but yeah, I, I've learned that I have to take time for myself in
1: this. Yeah, no, that, and that balance sounds Mm -hmm. so critical, especially when you're delving into areas week, week after week that are, that can be really difficult and draining, I would imagine emotionally.
0: Right. And like kind of what I was pulling out of that last part is whenever I was younger, I didn't get that. I, I thought I had to be on all the time. I thought I owed it to my viewers, to my fans, to my friends, to my family, to be that host all the time. And then I realized... You know Whitney, it's okay to take time for yourself, to understand that if you are having a bad day, that's okay. You're human. And that took a while to step into too is to understand that there there's a difference between the host and the person, you know? Well, and that and that's okay.
1: And thank you for that because for anybody listening, that's probably a really important message. So we're listening to somebody who's really driven and is making things happen and can be on a lot of the time but even you, Whitney, you have to protect some time just for you. Yeah,
0: yeah. Totally, yeah, because yeah, if you don't, then you will not be the best version of yourself. In fact, I heard um, I heard this quote the other day about, there's a reason they tell you to put your oxygen mask on first on the plane, because you can't take care of the other person if you don't take care of you. And, um, and that really resonated, because it's so true. If we don't protect ourselves and take time for ourselves, we can't be our best version. Of ourselves for others.
1: Amen to that. That is that is such the truth. Um, is there is there a story that you covered anywhere along the way that particularly affected you, uh, good or bad?
0: Um, one that the show that I got Emmy nominated for was Veterans, and on that show we and I'm I'm going to say we, but you might, if you're listening, you might not be included in the we on this, but so often we categorize our veterans as, um, you know, what, what's happening over there? How are they going to come home or are they going to die when they're serving and how's their mental health and all this kind of stuff. And one of the major steps I feel like we've missed is that they are real men and women that leave their lives and they're going to come back to a different life. Like, no matter how much, like, because life's going on here, Mm -hmm. and they go off to serving. My... My brother-in-law came home. He came home from deployment yesterday. So this is actually very much on my heart right now. But but what the house he's coming home to, even though my sister has done a very great job at protecting the home while he's gone, he's not coming home to the same house he left. And I think that's one of the things we're missing with our veterans is how do we create a society where they can be entrepreneurs or live a different dream if they want to come home and start a business or they want to come home and be a teacher. Like, how do we facilitate that for them? Because they are. Our biggest heroes that are doing that, but maybe they have a different vision. And how do we integrate them back in a society? And that show resonates with me to that day because you realize everyone has dreams. So someone that might even you encounter at your coffee shop, their dream might be to be on the you know stage or something like that. And I think that we just have to remember that people are living lives. But sometimes there's something else greater they want to do. And how do we facilitate that for them? And especially for our veterans is when they come home from serving, how do we do that? And I felt like that was a big piece of the puzzle that was missing that gets overlooked sometimes. So it was a really cool show for me to say, like, we could be covering certain topics all the time. Like we could have things near and dear to our heart, but there might be something else that we can pull out of that. Like what is something that we're missing?
1: I love that. I mean, right. When you think veterans, we make a few presumptions, right? And I, and I immediately doing what I do, I think, oh, a mental wellness. Like right. how are you, um, to, to find that vein where it's like, life has gone on here while you were gone. And now you've got to kind of like find a way to reintegrate and, right. and just define yourself without without that piece of your life. And you've missed this period of time on the, this part of the rock. <laughs> that mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a deeply empathic thought, Whitney. I, I hadn't really crossed my mind before. That must have been Well, a profound... and
0: that's the kind of, so even though we do these big topics, that is like the main, that is the foundation of our show is saying, how do we highlight things that are actually a real thing, but with a different way than people have looked on, at it in the past? And so that's kind of, My goal as we take these topics, like for the Holocaust survivor, it was a show not about her surviving the Holocaust or the horrific events. Her whole thing is on the foundation of love, how our trials create a deeper bedrock of love in our lives. And this was such a different concept because most people, you think when they go through trials or they go through tribulation, they are going to be sour. They are going to want to change the world for people that could go through similar situations. No, this woman's like, I thank the people that put me through this because it created this foundation of love. And this taught me how to love deeper than I could have ever imagined. And to to hear her talk about gratitude for people that harmed her was, oh my God, flooring. And so that's what we do on the show is we look at a different way we can tell a story or a different viewpoint from a topic.
1: So there you go, guys. That's why you watch the Whitney Reynolds show. That is a beautiful story. I'm tearing up here. Um, Whitney, are we missing anything important in your broad message that you would want people to understand? You know, like is there is there any any core part of your message that you feel like eh, we really haven't touched on this, or I'd like to emphasize this point a little bit further?
0: You know, I I would say find your Find your true calling to everyone out there listening, like take some time and look inward at what it is in your life, whether that's a hobby or um, something, you know, where you can make your mark. I feel like we've all been given gifts and um, sometimes our gifts can be tucked away because we're living life so fast and you owe it to yourself to find what makes your heart sing. But then when you find it, make sure that it makes other people's hearts sing. And I think that's like the biggest, um, sometimes we just go so fast. We don't figure out what we're really called to do and the mission we're on. And I feel like we all bring so many unique talents to this world. And you got to figure yours out and then share it because the world needs you. That's the thing. Like we need your special talent. We need your special gift.
1: And, And you don't have the luxury of just letting that sit on the shelf. You've got to use it.
0: No, no. And and that's the thing. Like when I, when I started my talk show, did I have, um, I did real estate videos too, because I realized I couldn't live on just a dream. I needed to pay my rent. I needed sure. to feed me and my dog. Um, but with that, like. I still leaned in to figure out what it was that was my special gift that I needed to share and um, and so you could be working a job you don't like you could be maybe working a job you do like but you know you have another talent in there I think I think you owe it to yourself to figure it out and share it
1: okay folks that is the awesome positive energy that is Whitney Reynolds. Whitney, I'm so grateful that you joined me here today. If people want to see the show, if they want to know more about you, um, if they want to buy the book, what do they do?
0: Okay, so WhitneyReynolds.com is your go-to stop for anything you want to see with the show, my print, my radio, the book. It's all on WhitneyReynolds.com. You'll see um, our social. You can follow us because I love inspiration, so I share inspiration on the daily. It's kind of my jam, so If you go to WhitneyReynolds.com, you can figure out how to navigate where you want to find us, what channel we play on in your area. So we're on PBS. If you live in Chicagoland, you can watch Monday nights at 630. Our new season comes out March 26th, and we are throwing a big party because we're going to have the book there. We're going to have me there. We're going to have surprises. It's going to be downtown. Tickets are limited. We don't, we have not released where, but I want you to know it's in one of the coolest spots and it's very theatrical, if you know what I mean. Oh, it's so tickets are going to be coming out soon and I would love for you to go there, but space will be limited. So if you've been looking for a good time or a reason to get out in the city, our events are always free. So we'd love to see, we'd love to see the viewers that we're impacting. So mark your calendars for March 26th and then head over to WhitneyReynolds.com so you can see everything that's going on with the show and just ways that you can get involved, find your true calling.
1: Okay, get on that, folks. That's Whitney Reynolds. Whitney, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. All right, folks. Well, I'll talk to you next time. Have a great day. Uh, on behalf of Whitney and I, um, we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. You can find this podcast online at iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, LiveLeadPlay.com, which is affiliated with IPEC Coaching School, and WGN+. On my website, there's a free parenting program, uh, DrJohnDuffy.com. If you are a parent, I strongly encourage you to check that out. Uh, some really good ideas there. Um, if you have thoughts or ideas, For this podcast, or if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, uh, please email me at johngduffy at drjohnduffy.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next time on the Undo Anxiety Podcast.